0: All right. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Let's uh, thank the Lord and thank the worship team for all their hard work and helping to shepherd us before the Lord. Yeah, come on up, Scherzer family. So uh, um, as I mentioned, we have a couple different things that we do in this Advent season, and uh, the Scherzer family has been so uh, kind to to offer to help us or to accept the invitation patient to... to I'm, I'm going to step right here. I always talk about this. You don't need to worry about my insecurities here. High wise, okay? It's good. I'm good. Um, you can come on too, Tatum. Uh, Abby, I got you still for a couple more years. So uh, this is a time, as I mentioned, where we remember the first coming of Jesus and we look ahead to Jesus's second coming. And each week during this advent season we'll get to hear from a different family or indiv- individual or group of friends who are like a fa- like family um, to help shepherd us through or usher us through uh, a different theme. And if you grew up in a home that wasn't from a church, you know, didn't go to church, a lot, you didn't know what all these candles meant. Well, each week we're going to walk through one of those, what, what it specifically means. And uh, the, the Churcher family has, again, been so kind to help um, usher us through specifically the th- theme of hope. So will you go ahead and introduce yourselves and then share with us what hope has looked like, how that has informed and shaped your family?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Um, We're the Scherzer family. My name's Jonathan. Uh, This is my wife, Tatum. This is our oldest daughter, Abigail, and this is our youngest son, Jude, Um, Mm -hmm. and we like to say that we are a family of five uh, in a household of four. Uh, We have a a son, our first son named Samuel, uh, was a stillborn last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, we're excited to talk about hope and what that means for us. Um, So right after we had Abigail, um, Tatum started kind of having some health issues pop up, uh, and we really struggled with fertility uh, for a couple of years uh, when we were trying to conceive our our second uh, child. And so we had three or four uh, miscarriages during that time um, and it was just really discouraging and just a really, yeah, just a really tough time. Um, and we we finally got pregnant uh, again uh, towards the end of 2020 um, and we sort of held our breath for the first 12 weeks um, and then once that had passed and the baby was healthy, uh, we sort of set out, we let out a kind of a big sigh of relief thinking okay, the loss and and miscarriage is is behind us um, with this one. Uh, And then one day I was at work, I was working from home, I was on a a call um, and Tatum was at just a routine uh, checkup appointment uh, and I got a call from Tatum while I was on the phone uh, and I just knew that something wasn't right. Uh, So I hopped off my meeting, I answered the phone and uh, Tatum was um, yeah, just crying, uh, really emotional. Um, and saying that the doctors had said that they couldn't find a heartbeat uh, on, on our baby uh, anymore. Uh, and so I jumped in the car, ran down to the doctor's office, and uh, they did a couple more tests and checks, um, and confirmed that, yeah, our, our baby had died. Um, but because of where Tatum was at in the pregnancy, how far along she was, um, they told us that we were gonna need to deliver. Uh, and so um, uh, we went over to St. Joseph's Hospital that day, Uh, They put her into labor, and um, she labored through the night. Um, And that was a really, really difficult time. Um, And he was, our son was born uh, in the morning. Um, And it was a really interesting, I say interesting, it was just a really mix of emotions. There was all this joy that we had had a son, um, and all this, obviously, grief that um, we didn't get to meet him here. Um, but also some comfort that we got to hold him and that we got to go through the birthing process. Um, and we decided to name him Samuel. Um, in First Samuel, Hannah prays for uh, a baby and says that if God will give her one, she will give him back to the Lord. Um, and that's kind of uh, you know, what we felt like we were doing. We had prayed really hard for, for a baby, and God had given him to us, and then he had taken him back. Um, mm-hmm. And the name means God has heard. And so we really felt like God had... Had heard us and answered our prayer, uh, just not in the way that we were thinking that he was going to. Um, and during that time in the hospital, Tatum, um, Tatum kind of describes that we were talking about it. Um, yeah, we just we both felt really held by the Lord. Um, there's a verse in Deuteronomy one where God is saying, you know, as a father carries his son through the wilderness, you know, so I've carried you. And mm. and we this was the first time in our life that we actually felt that carrying. We know that's a reality all the time but we really felt it Um, and Tatum had realized that um, and we both had realized that we were really for the last couple years had been putting the hope of having another baby and getting pregnant not that that's a bad hope at all because it isn't but that hope had kind of become ultimate for us Mm. and it had our eyes had been taken off of the Lord and had been put on getting pregnant and having another baby and that that was where we were gonna be happy and fulfilled um, and the Lord has been really gracious in showing us that um, we have an eternal hope and we have a hope because Jesus came as a baby mm. um, and he, he kind of came in through all this mess. Um, and so that's where our hope is really at. And again, not that we don't, we hope in things in this life, but that those aren't made ultimate, that ultimately our hope rests secure uh, because of the accomplished work of Jesus. So now where we are, I'll just kind of let you guys in on kind of, where we're at now with hope, Um, it's really transformed how we think about this life and also the life to come. Mm -hmm. Um, As a father, you know, I have a lot of hopes and vision for our family, Um, but I think that it's been reshaped to, um, like, my main hope is that one day, you know, we as a family will stand before the throne and before the Lamb, Mm -hmm. worshiping a good God forever and ever and ever. And we can teach and pray to that end and tell our kids that they have a brother that's waiting for them mm-hmm. with unveiled face that's wow. worshiping God and that we hope all to join him there. So, wow. Yeah.
0: Man, amen. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, yeah, thank you for, for opening up and just kind of bringing us into your journey. Uh, yeah, it takes a lot of courage and, and care and lo- love. Um, so it's th- thank you. Uh, will you all go ahead now and light um, this, uh, this c- candle Right here, the uh, the the candle to remind us of the hope that you just sh- shared about. <sighs> all right, thank you. And uh, now, church, we um, all of you stand, please, and join us as we read God's word. As a reminder, we stand every week, uh, is because we know that God is is holy and is good.
1: Hello, today's scripture is Luke chapter two, verses twenty nine through thirty two. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
0: All right. All right, church, as you sit, let's go ahead and thank the Scherzer family again. (laughs) Wow. Thank you so much. And... uh, yeah, that honestly is, um, I get to now preach on that theme that they re- really set up. Maybe hopefully get to kind of unpack that some together. Each week throughout this Advent season, what we'll be doing is we'll be preaching on the, the theme that we've just, just walked through. So this morning, we get to walk through true hope. And what that means and what that looks like. So we're going to be primarily in Luke chapter two this morning. So go ahead and turn there with me. And if you if you don't have a copy of God's Word um, and you would like one, will you uh, hold your hand up and keep it up so we can get one to you? In español, si quiere la biblia y no tiene, por favor levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia es su regalo a usted. So again, this is our gift to you. If you don't own one, please please keep this, and and we would um, encourage you to 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 read and 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 learn and grow um, as God speaks to us through through the Bible, through His His Word. And uh, with that, let me go ahead and pray um, for the the Scherzer family, for and for all of us now as we get into our time together. Lord, thank you for your, your word. Um, I, I admit and confess, thank you for the, the Scherzer's, again, very loving courage to share their own journey, their own story. I pray that the fact that you are in control, God, and that even whether we f- feel it or not, we, you are good. We can see your goodness, especially as we read through Scripture, your goodness and your sovereignty, your control are are clear. And I pray that that would even free us up. As a, as a whole church and any individuals here this morning who, who need to admit and just kind of look at their reality. So often we're tempted to put on um, airs or to kind of put on a, a face or a mask. But Lord, where we are struggling, where we're questioning, where we're doubting, or maybe where we need to take a hard look at uh, where our hope is found. We pray that through our time together this morning, you will shape us. Lord, speak to us. I pray that by your spirit, you You will do a work in us that we cannot resist. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hungry Hippo, a GI Joe battle station, a BMX bike. Some of you have heard of that. Some of you might not have heard of this, a BMX scooter and ice skates were all things I longed for at one point in my life. Like hockey skates, to be clear. And all those things you might know, too, that that's like, that guy grew up in the 80s, in the 1980s. The BMX sc- scooter is a thing of the past. But if you picture a little BMX bike, you know, the kind that people ride and jump off jumps and things. Well, they, for a short season in the history of the world, made that into a scooter. Scooter, long before the razors, which I don't get, and those other kinds of things, um, they had a BMX scooter. Well, I longed for all these things, and Christmas morning was often a time where I thought, "What's is my joy going to finally, once and for all, be fulfilled? You know, is there going to be a BMX scooter there?" My brother, I talked to one of my brothers on the phone yesterday. And uh, we're talking because we're going to have my mom's m- memorial service um, next week, a week uh, so on, on December 3rd. And uh, we were kind of just t- talking about that and thinking about that. And he's like, man, remember that time that mom got you a scooter? And I was like, yes, this helped plant the seed but it wasn't a BMX scooter. It didn't have two like knobby off-road wheels like all my neighbor friends and everyone else. It had four wheels, but like big one, like four wheels. So I had like training wheels on a scooter. It turned out to be the most legit scooter in the hood, okay? Everyone was coveting my scooter because over time, we learned all these tricks that you could do with it. You could lean heavy on it and go around corners and do all these things. But at first, I was like, what is that? That's not what I was envisioning, what I was expecting. Let me ask you, what do you hope for or need in your life? I assume hungry hippos, some of you don't even know what that is, so you don't need to, all these things. I assume those things aren't on your list anymore, but something is, right? Again, as the Scherzer's just courageously shared, as they got older, they hoped, um, I can share some things in my life that I've hoped for and longed for, good things. Things that even the Bible and scripture says you sh- we should hope for these things. But again, as Jonathan shared, they can quickly become ultimate things, right? What was those things I mentioned earlier? What was a scooter and hockey, ice skates? Yes, I grew up in San Diego and then Arizona. Like, why did I want ice skates, right? But that eventually turned into a car. And then not only a car, but a car with the CD player. Again, some of you don't know anything about that. Then it was a car with AC, (laughs) Air conditioning, right? Which I got. I think my second or third year in marriage, we finally got that, right? Just it, different. It just kept going, and then I wanted a wife and family, and then kids. And we walked through infertility, and 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 we have kids now. And it's you know, and, and my my level of fulfillment always seems lacking on some level, right? There's always something. More. I'm looking ahead or I'm looking back. Well, again, in this Advent season, we have an opportunity to look back and for that to inform how we look ahead. And so with that, we're going to look at kind of a seemingly obscure guy in the Bible. Not much is written about him, but we can learn a lot from him. His name is Simeon. And I, w- I want to ask you, as we look at him And again, a brief little snapshot of his life. What would it take for you, even in this moment, to say, My joy is complete. I could die happy. I could die right now. It's my hope has been fulfilled. So, with that in mind, let's read. Turn together with me as we look in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Again, this a seemingly obscure guy named Simeon. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see the death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So a couple things to... Notice here, okay, out of the gates. We, again, we don't know, and you can keep it up there. We don't know a lot about him, right? But um, we do know, go ahead back to verse 25. What we do know about him, we get a little snapshot in his character. He was righteous and devout. He was a man of faith and a man of faithfulness, okay? He, his, his life was devoted to f- keeping his eyes fixed on God, God's character, God's promises, God's provision, that, that defined him, right? That's, that's what we know about him out of the gates here. And then it also says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That, that, an, an, another word for that is comfort. All right. In that time, I would say much more so even than any of us in this room, or at least the majority of us in this room can understand, um, God's people, what it meant to be a faithful person, to keep your eyes fixed on God, to, to, to remain a person of character, a person of faithfulness, to remember God's promises and, and to, to have your hope in him was really hard. They were, God's people were essentially enslaved. They kind of had a puppet government under the government of Rome that in almost every way was directly against everything that they held dear. What it meant to live life as God's people, the way they thought it should be lived, was was challenged at every turn. Some of you may have heard Jesus said, if, if you're walking with someone and, and they force you to go with them one mile, go with them two miles. And that's because at the time, Roman soldiers could at any point force you to carry their stuff for them and you had to go a mile and then at the end of that and so you could be going right in a hurry like I normally am and most of my life going from here to there and you're in a hurry and all of a sudden it's like no 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 not so fast carry my stuff with me I'm going across town you know carry and and the and the and the practice would be at the end of it right to kind of just throw it off and then just move on right be like and probably throw up a hand gesture or two in the process right just not be happy but jesus is like blow people's minds go an additional mile and and that's again because this life was hard and yet Simeon was waiting for the comfort of God's people, and then uh, another thing in this verse, and then again the next in verse twenty six is it says the Holy Spirit was upon him God's spirit God's presence was actively involved in guiding his people similar to t- t- today M- many people then like in our day thought, oh give me." A couple verses, give me a couple b- bullet points. That's what it means to how to squeeze God into my life, how to get the most out of my life. And I'll kind of do these things, check off the boxes, and then m- move on. There were religious people in that day, just like our day, who lived that way. But those who were truly devout, who were truly faithful, were led in the moment, moment by moment, by God's spirit, by God's promises. Okay, so again, those are some things that we need to notice about Simeon. Now, pick up with me in verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. Again, he's constantly walking in dependence on God's Spirit. Into the temple. And when the parents, these are Joseph and Mary, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms. He took... Jesus in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. In verse 29, he says, you are letting your servant depart in peace. In that moment, Simeon says, I can die happy. (laughs) Again, what would lead you, or maybe asked a different way, what's preventing you and me from saying right now, I could die. I, I, I I could depart in peace. Again, I think if we're honest with ourselves, Many of us, right? I'm not, I'm not like nihilistic. I'm not like, let's just hurry up, you know, and this life has nothing and, and, and we can't live and have joy and things like that. But again, I think as the shirts are so honestly pulled back, often when we experience grief and suffering, it, it reminds us, it helps us to look back to see God's promises and then look ahead and long for the fulfillment of all of his promises. But many of us, even if we confess that or sing about it, we don't really functionally live like that. What would it take for for you and for me to have a hope, a true hope that is so grounded that we say, I could die in peace? In in contrast to Simeon, we'll come back to him in a moment. I think we, sometimes the Bible also, right? We look back, we look ahead, and sometimes also God just puts a mirror right in front of us, and we get to kind of take a hard look at ourselves. And one of the passages, we're not gonna turn there, but I'll just remind us, in the various gospel accounts, we'll talk about this in a couple of months when we get to the Easter season. Well, Jesus has a triumphal entry, Right, So he comes back about th- 33 or so years after this moment when he's brought in as a child, as a b- baby, to be dedicated in the temple. He, he'll come back as an, as an adult and he rides into Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem peace, God's set apart city. He rides in on a donkey and and we'll talk about this again when that time comes. And if you've been here with us for a couple years, you know that it, it wasn't the first one. Many other, the false messiahs had come riding in similarly on a donkey to fulfill the prophecies from the old Testament. And so Jesus comes in riding on a donkey and people are like, This guy's a little different from all those others, Um, so let's celebrate this. Like, finally the time has come. We're going to topple Rome, right? We're going to give the knockout punch. We're going to have a military uprising. We're going to defeat Rome once and for all, and God's kingdom is going to come. We're going to wipe out all the Gentiles. Right. We just as you saw, though, that's that's missing God's promises from all the way back in the very beginning in Genesis chapter three. And then again, in Genesis chapter 12 to Abraham, God says that his plan is to bless the whole world. And so where Simeon in his prayer, in his in his prayer of thanksgiving to God is acknowledging that God's going to going to going to save and bless people from every nation. I don't know how many of us are Jewish in this room, but but so some there are some Jewish believers or followers of Jesus uh, for for sure. Many of us are not. Many of us have maybe you know we have roots in different places, different parts of Asia, Europe, South America, Africa, the United States, and and the first missionary movement went out from what is now modern day Syria. <laughs> And then modern day Turkey and people carried the good news of Jesus to the whole world. But like today, again, religious people were very tempted to just have a myopic kind of laser focus. And God's people then, the people of Israel, were like, "Let's just get rid of these non-Jewish oppressors and 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 have uh, and just kind of have 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 our, our party." And yet, and yet God's, God's plan was very different from that. So Jesus came riding in on a donkey and people laid down palm branches, flowers, right? Threw out the red carpet for him. Oh, finally, finally. Well, what happened a week later? The same people that cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, right? Glory to God in the highest. Praise God. God, you have outdone yourself. You finally sent uh, uh, someone who's going to make life better. Our hope has been complete. Like seven days later, many of those same people yelled, crucify him. Why? How? What a difference a week makes. It's because their hope was not a true hope that rested in God's promises. It rested in their vision for their own life. And they saw Jesus as an opportunity to squeeze God's promises into their vision for their lives. Am I on your couch right now? As Pastor Marcus says, how many of us do that in different ways? Yeah, me too. Can many of us Many of us, even with seemingly good things, we make our hope not in God's promises, but in whatever version of our lives of what will make us fulfilled and satisfied once and for all. So again, what, what, what does it look like? What does it look like to have a different kind of hope? God's, God's, God's promises to us is the only foundation upon which we can build our hope, is the only foundation upon which we can live our, our lives. I, I want to, again, ask us to consider, this is a hypothetical or just for you to think about on your own, individually. What, what are you looking for that will ultimately satisfy you? What do you currently have? This one hits me. What what do you currently have that if it were taken away from you, your hope would be lost? We all have things that we think will fulfill us, but they never fully satisfy. Many of us, like those people in Jerusalem, when Jesus came in triumphantly during the triumphal entry, they were worshiping a false Jesus because they were worshiping Jesus made in their image, Jesus according to their plans. Where do we do that? Where do we have bumper stickers and T-shirts and images and, and phrases and thoughts about Jesus that's not the real Jesus as he presents himself to be in the Bible? That Jesus isn't safe. He's good. He's kind. He lays his life down for us but he's not safe. As C.S. Lewis says in one of his books, he's good, but he's not safe. He's actually Lord, and he calls us to submit to him, to take all of our hopes, all of our plans, and to offer them up before him. Some of you might be wondering, like me again, you grew up in a church that's not, or in a home that's not a Christian home, and you see people holding their hands up. That is is of, among many things, is, is a sign of surrender, like, why do people raise their hands when they, when they worship? It, it, one of the things is it's a, it's a sign of, I surrender. You're God, Jesus. I am not. I'm sorry for how I've tried to create you in my image and how I try to squeeze you into my plans for my life. So how is that different from Simeon? As I said... Very simply in a couple of verses we see him looking at Jesus he's, even as an as an infant God opens his eyes and he's able to see Jesus as all satisfying Church how can you and I see Jesus as all satisfying We zoom out we look at the big picture. We look at the story. We look back and we remember that God had said that again in Genesis chapter 12, he would somehow bless the nations. We have so much to be thankful for, but I think one of them, if you are a person of faith, a Christian, a follower of Jesus specifically, you and I can be thankful that other people years and years and years ago carried the gospel from the, what is the modern-day m- Middle East to unknown worlds? Who shared the gospel with your family if you grew up in a Christian home? Who shared the gospel w- with you? Who, maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here today, who invited you here today? God, almighty God, the, the creator of heaven and earth is pursuing you and has been pursuing you. Remember that. He also said that he would bring a new way of life. He would turn the the social structure, the way of living on its head, that, that the way up is actually by going down, that again, where everything in our world says go only one mile and then throw it off and move on and protect your own and get the most out of life that you can. Jesus said, you'll actually be blessed and you'll have power If you consistently lay your life down, Jesus said, because I laid my life down for you and then I raised from the dead and conquered death and conquered life in this broken way, this broken economy that you've grown so used to operating within, right? Oh, that's just the way it is. That's just the way the world functions, right? Jesus said, no, I've got a whole different way and it's better. Matthew chapters five through seven, the Sermon on the Mount walks through that. The whole thing is Jesus's words from start to finish. And he's saying, you've heard, this is how you live. It actually looks this way. He turns it on its head. He promised that he would come, that he would take on flesh, that he would be with us. He promised that he would die. No one understood it. That he would go from a manger to a tree. There's a song that we sometimes sing in this season. That he would ultimately go to a cross. That Christmas actually has the shadow of death cast over it. That hits home for many of us, right? Many of us have experienced death this month, this, this week, this year, the last couple years. And yet Jesus said that he would take away the sting of death because he said that he would raise again and usher in a new life so that everyone who puts their faith in him, who puts their trust in him, who surrenders to him as savior and Lord can experience that new life in him. And then church right now, as I kind of prepare for us to close, right? What does that mean for us now? Again, as Jonathan shared, there's, there's an end of the story that we haven't g- gotten to yet. Jesus is the author and the hero of the story. And when he rose from the dead, if he just peaced out and then said, uh, put your trust in me, become a Christian, right? Be saved. And one day you'll zap up and just be kind of this disembodied spirit that floats around little chubby baby with a harp. That's like, okay, it's not, how does that give me hope now? But but Jesus actually said, "I'm going to prepare a way for you. A way for you, not wafer, a way for you. I'm preparing a home. I'm preparing a, a final day that you will get to participate in this current life, these these light momentary afflictions, which is not dismissing, affliction and pain and tears and and sadness. But he's saying in comparison to the eternal glory that I'm inviting you into, it's a party. It's, It's far more than you can even imagine. What is the most ideal Christmas for you? Peace, hope, joy, family, celebration. Some of us we, I never once experienced a Christmas with my mom and dad as my mom and dad in the same house, never once. And I know as a kid, that was something like, what was that look like? But through the good news of Jesus, there's a day looking ahead to you by his grace, both my mom and dad now who have put their faith in him have, have gone ahead, have joined the great cloud of witnesses. And one day, uh, Samuel and many of our parents and loved ones, and, and children, we get to experience life the way it should be lived. It, it's beautiful and it's good. It, it, Jesus says in R- R- Revelation that he's making all things new. In Revelation 7, we get a picture of a party of people from every language, From every nationality, from every ethnicity, from different cultural practices, all. Using those to glorify and bless and worship God, and we all get to participate in that. It's in all of our feasting, all of our celebrating, all of our, our our gift giving, our parties, all these things. It's not that those things don't matter, right? Sometimes we say, Oh, don't have a tree, don't have lights, don't have that stuff. Doesn't matter. This is and that's no, they matter not be, but not because they're the ultimate thing, because they cast our eyes on something more. The true hope that we can only have in Jesus. Let's pray together. Again, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for this opportunity we have this morning and in this Christmas season. Lord, to, to stop, to pause. While for many of us, our schedules are picking up, we're, we're hurried. Lord, I pray that even these moments, these, these times together as a church family on Sunday will help us to slow down. Lord, help us to look back to see the fulfillment of your promises from thousands and thousands of years at a seemingly obscure time in history through a seemingly obscure family as we learn from a seemingly obscure man, Simeon, who continued to trust in you and your promises, he saw your hope fulfilled in Jesus. Lord, help us also as we look back and remember your birth, Jesus. Help us also take stock of where we are. Help us evaluate in this season where we are tempted all year long, but specifically in this season to Put our hopes to make declarations in the new year, to can have experiences and tastes and drinks and different stuff and give gifts and receive gifts. Or we feel the hopelessness because we can't do it th- this year, what we did in years past. And we feel like hope is lost. Again, Lord Jesus, ground us in your hope that you have secured for us. And Lord, help us also in this season, look ahead, look forward to that final day when our hope becomes sight. When we experience the fullness of who you are and what you have come to do. Jesus, you have reconciled us to you, Lord, to each other, to ourselves, and to the world around us. And we long for the day when that is our experience completely in all of life.